The reading this morning comes from Romans, chapter 15, reading verses 14 to 33. This can be found on page 1142 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I give glory to Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and that you will assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. From Macedonia and Achaia were were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hannah, thank you very much for reading that. Uh, do keep Romans 15 open in front of you. Uh, we will spend a few minutes looking at it now. Shall we pray uh, as we do so? Heavenly Father, we thank you for that marvellous, wonderful love of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage, uh, we would be motivated by that love, uh, just as Paul was. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, yesterday I was uh, helping at the kids' school fete. Um, I know there's loads going on at this time of year. It was good fun. 
for the third year in a row, we won a raffle prize. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, it was a free skateboarding lesson. So if you see any of the Spence kids with a broken leg in the next few weeks, you kind of know what's happened. Um, but it, uh, they're, they're great fun, aren't they, school fakes? I was uh, manning the balloon pop, uh, which had uh, more balloons bl- bursting by them blowing away than actually anyone managed to pop them. Uh, the hooker duck, which I kind of feel like is the kind of peak of the school fake stalls. Uh, and a tin can alley. Now, if you know what tin can alley is, you get 10 uh, tin cans, you stack them up in a pyramid, and you get one of those little bean bags that only schools seem to own, uh, and you have to lob lob it three times at these cans, knock eight off, uh, and you get a prize. Um, And it was while that was going on, uh, bizarrely, I was reminded uh, of Romans 15. Now, work with me here. You see, as the kids came up to to throw their beanbag, um, let's say some of them uh, weren't exactly the most accurate shots. I mean, actually, some of the adults were quite dangerous. Uh, But the kids, uh, as they came up, they needed a bit of encouragement uh, of what they were doing and a little reminder of what they're aiming for. Now look at verses 14 and 15 of today's passage. Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. Verse 14... I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. There's a bit of encouragement. Now verse 15, yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. There's a reminder of what they need to be aiming for. You see, uh, you've got to remember that Paul has written this great uh, epistle that explains the gospel in such profound detail uh, and the implications of it. We've seen it in, as we've been looking over the last few uh, weeks uh, in chapters 12 to 16, how that works out for us as a church, called to uh, community, uh, as this series is called. Uh, and Paul, uh, the church is doing really well, but Paul wants to remind them of these things. We all need reminding of the gospel constantly and what it means uh, to, live it, to live it out. Uh, And now as we hit this part uh, of uh, the letter, it's Paul beginning to wrap up. Um, He's still got plenty to say in a chapter and a half, um, but it's it's still that wanting to encourage this church and to remind this church. So we're going to see two aspects this morning. Listen to Paul's reminder uh, and partner with Paul's mission. So... Uh, Listen to Paul's reminder. This is verses 14 to 22. This whole section, I don't know, as uh, Hannah was reading to you, do you get that sense of how much uh, that Paul knows this church? He cares for this church. Uh, He's he's got that kind of personal connection uh, with them. Uh, And and it's that along with his uh, uh, credentials as a minister or apostle Uh, to the Gentiles, that he expects to affect how this letter is received by them. You get a real sense, don't you, of that that personal connection. He actually began the letter in in chapter 1, verse 13, saying the same sort of thing. He yearns to see them. As he repeats it now at the end of the letter, he really wants to, to get to Rome. But the thing is, Paul didn't set up this church. Like many of the churches he wrote to, he set it up. But this one he didn't. He's, in fact, to this point, he's never even visited them. 
So here he's establishing for them again uh, who he is, he, those credentials that he has uh, to be able to teach them. Now, I know uh, some of the, we've got the pathfinders in, uh, and I know a number of people here uh, are about to start uh, summer holidays. Now, when you go back uh, from summer holidays, you'll get new teachers. And those teachers uh, like to establish in the first few weeks their credentials and their authorities to show that they have the ability to teach you. Now, I, I think, from what I can tell, it happens in one of two ways. You have the teachers who are, are really, really, really strict to start with, uh, and then ease off as time goes on. And then you have the teachers that just want to be your mate uh, and trying to uh, you know, get alongside you and be, be really fun. Teachers are looking at me like, which one am I? Um, uh, don't pretend you haven't thought about which tactic you're going to use. Uh, but do you see, uh, in, that, uh, in that case... The teachers are um, trying to show you that they've got authority and credentials uh, to speak to you. Well, Paul is doing something similar, but of course with a great, far greater authority. Because he was the apostle that was called and commissioned by God to go to the Gentiles. Uh, and remember, the, the church in Rome was, was a mix of Jew and Gentile, but probably uh, more Gentiles than Jews. And so he reminds them of who he is and demonstrates it in three ways. So let's look um, at these verses a bit more. So the first way uh, that Paul talks about his ministry is that it's a priestly ministry. Look at verse 16. Uh, To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See here, Paul's kind of describing his work as a priest, not in the sense of an Old Testament priest, although it's using that imagery. He doesn't mediate between God and, um, uh, sorry, between the people and God, but he does bring the powerful message of salvation that he's talked about from God to the people. I think this is part of his way of saying that he, uh, as we saw in chapter 12, verse 1, him offering himself as a living sacrifice in the service of God's. But did you see also, through this missionary work, he's able to offer the Gentiles to God as living sacrifices. Now remember, these, these, these are people who were completely excluded uh, in the Old Testament sacrificial system. I'm taking many of us here, our Gentiles, we would have been completely excluded. But now, because of Jesus, can become a wholly acceptable offering to God. Now, of course, in verse 17, all the glory goes to Jesus because he's the one who's done it all. But Paul's ministry is to present these people back to God as people who are acceptable before him. So it's a priestly ministry. It's also a powerful ministry. Look at verse 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God, but what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders. Through the power of the Spirit of God. Do you see it's power in both words and actions for Paul? Through the powerful Spirit. 
Actually, it's interesting. I think without either of those, Paul wouldn't have had a ministry. But with both of them, he's not just got a ministry, but a powerful ministry. And it's what Christ has accomplished. He says that there in verse 18. And the purpose of those signs and wonders that Paul was given was to authenticate him as an apostle so that people would listen. And as they'd listen, they would hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a powerful ministry. Many people have come to know the Lord Jesus through it. And it's also a pioneering ministry. Second half of verse 19. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I don't know, Hannah said it far better than I can, um, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Can you see again? This is Paul describing his ministry, and this time it's pioneering. It's going where people have not heard the gospel before. Actually, this is a pretty modest, modest summary from Paul of three massive missionary trips, uh, many people hearing the gospel, many converted, churches planted, uh, and he summarizes like that. He has done huge amounts to pioneer uh, what was then a new religion to take it out. It's what he was commissioned to do by the Lord Jesus uh, when on that Damascus road. It's his ambition to do it. It matches what uh, Christ wants him to do, to make him known to people who have not heard. So a priestly ministry, a powerful ministry, a pioneering ministry. Uh, and much of this, we must say, uh, is unique to Paul as an apostle. We, we will do elements of this, of course, but I, I don't think we'll end up anyone doing all of it. Um, this is Paul as an apostle. Uh, and I, but I don't think his main point actually is here, it, is writing here to copy him. He does that elsewhere. But here, I think it's more to establish those credentials uh, and that authority to teach so that we would listen to his words and obey them. And that's something we all need to do. Isn't it interesting, actually? Um, I've been thinking about that this, this week. If When people start to question the Christian faith and what the Bible says, it's amazing how often it's Paul's words that they begin questioning first. They seem so countercultural uh, at the moment. You know, written off as only relevant to that time and place. But yet, if we see Paul's ministry in this way, well, then surely he has the authority not just to teach then, but to teach us now. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, appointed to proclaim the gospel by the Lord Jesus himself. This isn't just some historic self-help book. This is God's words to us. And so I've been wondering, you know, do I listen to all Paul's words? Do we listen to all Paul's words? That includes what we've been uh, seeing in this section in Romans. You know, the church needed the reminder in Rome, even though they were doing quite well. Do we need that, that same reminder? Paul has the authority to give it to us. So have we, as we've been going through Romans, been 
really considering what he has to say to us? Have we listened to Paul and put into practice those challenges he's given us? Here's some of the things that we've seen this term in Romans. It's all, of course, in the context of salvation through Jesus Christ, through, through grace alone, through faith alone. We are justified by Christ alone. But in that context, we are to offer our whole lives to Christ, to God's service, in chapter 12. Love and serve one another, chapter 12. Submit to authorities, chapter 13. Love your neighbors yourself, in chapter 13. The weak in faith don't judge the strong in faith. And the strong in faith don't just dismiss the weak in faith, chapter 14. And as we saw last week, we are to accept one another. There's loads of practical stuff packed into these chapters. And what have we done about it? I'm going to give us a moment to just read through that list again. Perhaps think of one that has particularly challenged you or stood out to you. And just think, here is Paul who's given me, who has the authority to teach me about this thing. So what am I going to do in response here in Platt or in the city that we live in? Just a moment to think that through with, by yourself. So you keep thinking those uh, things through. Um, I think each one challenges us in slightly different ways. But Paul's uh, pioneering ministry um, had prevented him getting to Rome so far. Um, but as, we'll, as, he's, as we see, uh, the second half of this passage uh, shows that Paul hopes that that will change. He prays that that will change uh, and that the people... Uh, will partner with him. I mean, it's the only logical thing, isn't it, to partner with uh, an apostle with his credentials. So, uh, secondly, let's see um, how we partner with Paul's mission, verses 23 uh, to 33. Uh, Now, verses 23 to 29 in this section, it it summarizes Paul's future plans. Um, So, I'm going to try and do that using this map. Um, Here we go. This is a modern-day map. Um, before anyone starts, you know, wondering why there's uh, countries that didn't exist in Paul's time uh, mentioned on there. But it'll give us the idea. So Paul is, is probably writing from Corinth um, around here, and he's traveled around this whole area, uh, preaching the gospel, uh, establishing churches to the point where he thinks, um, as we see in verse 23, that there's kind of nothing left for him to do there. And so he intends to carry on his pioneering work elsewhere. Uh, verse 24 tells us his plans to go to Spain. But he's not going to go direct. Uh, because the churches uh, in the, uh, around the area um, have gathered a collection for the poor church in Jerusalem, that's there in verse 26, he's first going to go to Jerusalem uh, to deliver that collection to that church. Once he's done that, 
he'll continue his travels. Verse 28, uh, travels that take him to Rome, um, in which verse 24 tells us, in, in that longing to see that church uh, here in Rome. And that longing for that church to assist him further. He's only going to be with them for a while. Did you spot that as we're reading it through? Because he wants to, as we've said, go on to Spain. Now, that trip is a minimum 3,000 miles. Uh, It takes Paul to want some of the best love holiday destinations in Europe. You know, but there's no easy jet flights from... uh, uh, from Madrid, uh, sorry, from Rome to Madrid. There's no Mediterranean cruises to take him on. This is going to be a hard trip. We don't know if he would have gone by sea or land or how he would have got there. But if it was sea, he's at the mercy of the winds, uh, of the waves. That's going to be tiring travel. Um, so here's his plans. And Paul is asking the church in Rome to partner with him in them. Maybe I can uh, put it this way. Uh, He's writing to the church that they would build the base uh, and reach the city. So he spent time uh, building the base by telling them the gospel, uh, making sure they're sure on those foundations. He's he's told them to to reach the city of Rome, go out with the good news of Jesus. Uh, And now he's telling them to reach the city even beyond the borders of Rome and partner with him as he goes to the cities. Uh, around Europe. Build the base, reach the city. That would be a catchy tagline somewhere. Um, with, with this vision uh, in mind, um, Paul's then going to ask them to partner with them in two ways. The first uh, is provisions. Look at verse 24. Um, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and that you will assist me on my journey there and I've, uh, after I've enjoyed your company for a while. You see that that word assist. Uh, It meant giving uh, provisions to a missionary on their journey. It it probably included finances, but certainly wasn't limited to that. Uh, It was also uh, all the sort of things they might need, some clothing, food, maybe even an escort for part of the journey to help them along their way. Uh, And not only would that be a huge encouragement to Paul, but also is a way of the church demonstrating that they're in favor of the work that Paul is doing. They want to support him because they see that gospel needs. Uh, and it was also the, often the beginning of a, a long-term relationship, which is the, the most effective way for uh, churches to partner with missionaries. So they were to provide provisions, and they were to provide prayer. You see that in, in verse 30 to 31. It's a, it's a fairly real prayer, actually, um, if you look through those verses. It asks for protection. I may be kept safe from the unbelievers, verse 31. Uh, good relations with the church he's visiting. The contribution may be favorably received, verse 31. Uh, his travel plans that I may come to you, verse 32. And be refreshed, verse 32. Um, uh, these are great things to be praying for any ministry, uh, a mission, uh, missionary. Uh, and it's all by God's will. Paul knows that nothing's going to happen uh, unless it is by God's will. Paul frequently asks churches to pray for him. Um, It's through that prayer that they get the peace that's talked about in verse 33. Prayer is essential to this missionary journey. It's only Jesus 
through his spirit that's going to change people's hearts to be receptive to that gospel message. It's only through God's will that Paul will make those journeys. And so Paul asked the church to partner with him, providing those provisions and praying for them. Now, they are essential ingredients for any missionary church. And so it's appropriate, isn't it, that we ask ourselves, are we doing them here at Platt? We have mission partners. Here they are, looking beautiful. Um, They are people who have been sent by this church to spread the good news of Jesus. Some of them in the UK, some in Europe, some Africa, Asia, South America. Um, And as a church, we provide financially for uh, these people from the church accounts. As a church, we, we pray for them regularly on Sundays and at CPGs. And isn't that a great thing to do, given what we've just seen? Isn't this putting it into, into practice? Here's a reason why we do those things. It's brilliant. And we can do it individually. Uh, we can be praying for these mission partners. Why, uh, I don't know if you've got one of these bookmarks that have been produced. There's a load on the um, uh, welcome desk at the back. But there's a, a picture of, uh, and, a, and the names of all our mission partners on there. Why don't you pick one up, stick it in your Bible, uh, and commit to praying regularly uh, for our mission uh, partners. They, uh, I think all of them produce regular prayer letters um, that can help for your prayers. Uh, you can speak to the church office uh, if you want to sign up for those. I know if we'd speak to any of them, and some of them are uh, in this room um, looking at me now, um, so I'm hoping they're going to nod, that they'd really value your prayers. I'm getting nods. This is good. They would love your, they'd love your prayers. Um, and the ones who aren't here, I'm sure, will, will as well. But we can also not just pray for them, we can provide for them. Uh, it may not be uh, financially. Um, it may be uh, sending gifts. It may be writing letters. It may be sending WhatsApp or Facebook messages. When uh, those who are based abroad come back to the UK, come along to their update events. Find out what they're up to. It'll fuel your prayers. It demonstrates that, that partnership. I know um, the Pathfinders um, who are over here, they've sent videos to the Burns uh, and the Wilson families recently. It's a great way of encouraging people. It, it may seem really small to us, but to those who are on the front line of this missionary work, it's a huge encouragement because it reminds them that we are thinking of them, we are partnering with them, and we value the work that they do. And can I just say, if you've not met any of these, don't worry. The church in Rome hadn't met Paul either. And they were still providing for him and praying for him. So listen to Paul's reminder. Partner with Paul's mission. Let me finish briefly just by mentioning uh, one last verse. Verse 21 there. That's in, in the middle um, of these two things. Uh, As it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. It's a quote from one of the servant songs in Isaiah, a prophecy about that suffering servant. And I think it's stuck here in the middle because here is Paul saying, I am partly fulfilling this prophecy. I'm I'm going to people who haven't heard and haven't seen. But ultimately, it's all about that suffering servant. It's Jesus He revealed himself 
to people like us who are blind and ignorant. See, I think Paul puts here in the middle to say, without him, there's no gospel to be reminded of. Without him, there's no mission to be undertaken. He's the motivation for living this out. He's the motivation for this mission. And so it's like we can stand there with Paul saying, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me? And actually through all these things, through all we've seen in Romans, if we fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus, see what he has done, then these implications will naturally flow into place. We'll listen to Paul's reminder. We'll partner with Paul's mission. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you again for that wonderful, marvelous love that he has given to us. Uh, And as we see what he has done for us, may we uh, want to listen to his words in the Bible. May we want to partner with his mission uh, of taking the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Lord, thank you that as we do that, as these mission partners of ours are doing that around the world, of that great promise that he will be with us to the very end of the age. Amen.